0: Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review, and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. I'm
1: out Matthew. Those of you who were here this morning, if you're looking in the bulletin, will recognize that I really switched the messages. They are listed differently in the bulletin than I am. Delivering them. That was my plan. The bulletin was not wrong. But the Lord led me to reverse the messages. Matthew chapter 28, beginning at verse 16, just five short verses. Right at the end of the gospel. disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Last Sunday, I preached on evangelism. In order to coincide with the Committee on Evangelism that we have in our five-year plan, this morning I preached on preaching. To coincide with that committee, this evening I want to speak about missions, to coincide with the committee that is studying our mission program. Next Sunday, both messages will deal with other themes. I'll even tell you what it is, if I can remember. Next Sunday, we're going to be dealing with the committee that is going to be studying the, uh, the mission to people in crisis, and I'm going to be speaking on eating our morsel alone, which comes from uh, Matthew 25, but we'll also go back to the Old Testament to Job for the basic theme. And then Sunday night I'm going to be speaking about children and parents from the book of Ephesians. The Great Commission is usually the title that we give to this ending of the book of Matthew. And as I prepared the sermon, I wondered, what does the word commission really mean? So I went to Webster, and Webster told me three things that fits the purpose that we would use the word, uh, for which we would use the word, in the church. And these definitions are... A commission is the authority to act for another. Two, it's a matter entrusted to another. And three, it's authority to act in a prescribed manner. Authority to act in a prescribed manner. I think well fits the definition of the word as we shall use it this evening. The Lord stood with his disciples on the mountaintop and gave them the authority to speak in a prescribed manner. I don't know how many times you have seen the word on the outside of our church building, the word missionary. There aren't any churches in the northern part of West Virginia that identify themselves as missionary. I didn't know there was such a church as a missionary Baptist church till I came to the southern part of West Virginia. It is the First Baptist Church, or it's as my home church, the Auburn Baptist Church. But the word missionary was never put in in, in the title. But I discovered a number of churches in southern West Virginia that have in their name the word missionary. It must have been put there for a reason. It must mean something. I don't know if, if in the early history of this church our forefathers spelled out the intent of the word missionary, but I again went to Webster to find out what a missionary is, and one of the definitions that was given is one who carries out a mission. And if we, therefore, have installed into the name of our church the word missionary, then we are saying to ourselves we are ones who must carry out a mission in the prescribed manner that the Lord gave. And I think we cannot get clearer than that as to the purpose of the church Now the disciples did not follow that definition of mission or missionary too well, for they believed that salvation was for the Jews in their early history. They believed that there was no salvation for the Gentiles. They had been taught that from their youth up, that salvation was for the Jew and for the Jew only. They would have prayed a prayer similar to the one I heard one time. I'm not sure if it's true. When a fellow prayed, dear Lord, bless me and my wife, brother John and his wife, us four no more. Amen. And sometimes this is the way we act. As if the mission of the church is for God to bless us for no more. To retain his blessing upon our little congregation without little concern as to the lost in the community or around the world. Peter had this same concept and he had to be taught by the vision that he had at Joppa. When Cornelius wanted him to preach the gospel to to, uh, to Cornelius, his family and his soldiers, and Peter had the vision of the, the sheep that was let down from heaven with the clean and the unclean animals on it. And the voice of God said, rise Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, no indeed, no sir, not me. I have never eaten anything that's unclean. And the Lord had to teach him that the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, is not for us for no more. The message of Jesus Christ is for all the people of all the world, of every race, creed, and color, of every nation. And we must be cautious that we do not become so self-centered and so preoccupied with our own blessing here in our own little church that we cannot uh, rise in vision and see something far greater than the Olive Branch Missionary Baptist Church. Because if we cannot see outside our own little community, our own little walls, we must strike the word missionary from our name. For it has a meaning. And that meaning surely must entail the vision that the gospel of Jesus Christ is for all people, and it's our job to follow the prescribed manner of proclaiming the gospel to the entire world. Without that, we have lost the mission that was given in the Great Commission. You would have thought that of all people, the disciples would have known the teachings of the Old Testament on this very subject. Back in Psalms 96, you thought they would have known that passage. 96, verse 2, 3, and also 10. Sing unto the new, sing unto the Lord. Bless His name. Show forth His salvation from day to day. Here's the verse. Declare His glory among the heathen. His wonders among all people. Down in verse 10. Say among the heathen. The Lord reigneth. The word "heathen" there, of course, in our terminology today, would be unbelievers. Say to the unbelievers, "The Lord reigneth." To all people, Chronicles sixteen twenty three. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Show forth from day to day His salvation. Declare His glory among the heathen. His marvelous works among all nations. Well, if they didn't understand the Old Testament, they had spent three years in the presence of Jesus, surely the disciples would have understood that the gospel is for all people by Jesus' teaching. Matthew 24, 14 says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. What did he say? The gospel will be preached to all nations, to the people of New Guinea, as well as to the people in Turtle Creek, West Virginia, to the people of Russia, as well as to Danville, to the people of the Far East, as well as the Western countries. The gospel will be preached to all people. In Acts 26, we have the, the conversion of, of Paul. I want to read just a few verses from that. Acts 26, verses 14, getting at 14, which is a description of Paul's conversion. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But arise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. Now notice the purpose. To make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things... In which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, to whom now I send thee. Who was he sending them to? To the Gentiles, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. The point is. Jesus has said to Paul, I am sending you to the Gentiles, to the unbelievers, that they might be saved. That's the mission of the church, is to go where people are who need to be saved and there proclaim to them the gospel. Well, if the Old Testament and the teachings of Jesus in the New Testament make it clear, that God's people, that is the church, those of us who are Christian, are to take the gospel to all nations, then the commission that Jesus gave in the closing verses of the 28th chapter of Matthew must apply not just to the disciples, not to some other church, but to us. We have been commissioned by Jesus Christ to do some things in his name. Here Jesus stands on the mountain, ready to be taken up into heaven, and he says to his disciples some very important things. Now if you have your Bible open there, it's the 28th chapter of Matthew, I want you to look at what he says. In the 18th verse, he says, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Notice he did not say, All power is given unto you. He said, All power is given unto me. The power of the gospel rests in Jesus Christ, not in the church. We simply are the vehicle that he has selected to take this gospel and proclaim it. And it is through the church that the gospel is going to reach the heathen of the world. From the far east to the western countries. From down the street to the unknown Parts of the great cities to the countrysides of every nation. He'd been preparing the disciples. Now he is ready to charge them with their purpose. Verse 19, he says to go. All power is given unto me, therefore go. A few years ago, there was a lot of preaching and talking about the fact that God is dead. That got totally out of line and was abused and misused and abused all over from every pulpit. That phrase was attributed to a, an American Baptist seminary professor from Andover Newton Seminary. One of our seminaries. He didn't say that. He did not say that. He was totally misquoted. He was saying people are living like God is dead. But nobody heard the first phrase. And so there was a great turmoil. God is dead. And everybody was accusing everybody of coming up with such a terrible phrase. And some people began to believe that God surely must be dead the way the world is going. Listen, God is not dead. He's alive and well. And there is only one reason that I can tell you that. And many of you have the same reason, and that is because he lives in my heart. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. If he's in my heart, and if he is in your heart, he is not dead, and God is in this world still bringing people to salvation by the power of the gospel. And in that power, he has commanded us to go. He said, go therefore and teach all nations. Here is the mission of the church. Now, I've heard it said over many years that mission begins at home. We ought to be concerned about the home front. I agree with that. Mission does begin at home. If we do not take care of our own spiritual welfare, we're never going to take care of the spiritual, spiritual welfare of anybody else around the world. If we can't preach the gospel of the people of people in Turtle Creek, we're not going to do a very good job preaching it to the people in China. I'll grant you that. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that we ought to start at home in Luke 24, 47. Repentance is to be preached beginning at Jerusalem. But don't stop there. Listen. Repentance is to be preached beginning in Turtle Creek, but it's not to stop in Turtle Creek, nor in Jerusalem, nor any other place. It is to start here, and like the rippling of a stone thrown into a body of water, it will continue to spread and spread until it has permeated the entire lake. And all of, those, all of you have done that with a stone. You've thrown it into a little pond to watch the ripples. If you watch them long enough, you will discover that the ripple reached every portion of that little body of water. And that's the purpose of the church, is to cast that stone into the water where we are and allow its effects to reach throughout the entire world. That's our purpose. Jesus commanded his disciples to go to the upper room and stay there until they were filled with the Holy Ghost. But as soon as the Holy Ghost came upon them, they burst out of that room and they began to have the rippling effect upon the world that you and I felt. That first sermon that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost was the cause of my salvation and the cause of yours. For we were taken up in the same message that he preached that day in which 3,000 people responded and we have been the results of that same sermon. He said to go into all the world, teach all nations, make disciples, lay out the gospel, make it clear. That's the aim of our mission program. I'm gonna have this put in our bullet or something one of these days so that you can see it. I don't know if you know or not, but we have missionaries that we sponsor this church in 13 countries of the world. There are 205 missionaries that we support on foreign soil, preaching in uh, Dominican Republic, El Salvador, Haiti, Barbados, Hong Kong, India, Japan, Mexico, Okinawa, Nicaragua, the Philippine Islands, Thailand, Zaire, and a few other places. We're dropping the stone in the water here, and there are 205 of our paid missionaries who are preaching and proclaiming the gospel in many different ways throughout the world because we have responded to the commission of Jesus to go into all the world. He said to go and baptize. I could easily add that word to the ridiculous things that the gospel seems to require. Why be baptized? We insist on that. Any person who has been baptized by the process of immersion which I believe the scripture teaches without any reservation, and I do not know of a single denomination their theological leaders but who will admit there is only one scriptural method of baptism, and that is immersion. There is nobody, even in the Catholic Church, but who will admit that the process used by John to baptize Jesus, the meaning of the word in all of its ramifications, the the Greek fits well into the process of immersion. We must not get hung up on that, and it does not bother me that if other people want to use other ways of baptizing, I simply am pointing out at this point that immersion is the only scriptural method of baptism recognized by anybody. Uh, But it is not baptism that saves. And we must be so cautious because we do have groups, churches who are teaching in this community that you can't be saved unless you're baptized. Listen, that's hogwash. I tell you flatly, that is absolutely unscriptural in any facet you want to look at it. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you're going to be with me in paradise. And that man died on that cross and went with Jesus Christ to paradise. And when Jesus took the people out of paradise to heaven with him in his ascension, that thief was one of them and he was never baptized. And that's the only illustration I believe that we need to use to illustrate the fact that baptism is not the mechanism of salvation. Salvation comes when the heart has been baptized by the Spirit. When the heart has yielded to the power of God to wash it clean, not by water, but by blood of Jesus Christ that poured off the cross. That's where salvation comes from. And baptism is simply an an audible, a physical, a recognizable means that says to the entire world, as I am buried in the water, I am buried with Christ, as I come out of the water, I am resurrected a new individual. That which I do in water has already been done in heart. That's what baptism means. And we need to be... uh, Uh, converting people to Jesus Christ and put them through the waters of baptism that they will take their stand with the church as regenerated, born again Christian people ready to proclaim their faith in Jesus Christ. That's what it means. Now he says to go teach all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then he says, and teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. If there is anything this church needs to be doing, it's seeing to it that people are taught the message of the gospel. We do that in our Sunday school. We do it in our Bible school. We do it in our BYF groups. We do it in all kinds of ways. It's important that people learn what the gospel really is and what the scriptures say. We've got to teach, not just our own little group, but to teach throughout the world that people will know what it is to be a Christian. Jesus said, you are my disciples if you do whatsoever I command you. So what am I saying this evening? I'm challenging you to look beyond yourself, to look beyond this church and see our mission as a part of a greater mission of many churches joining together that we might hear in our own community, but also throughout the entire world, proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. You may not be able to go yourself, nor I might not be able to go myself, but listen, we have already sent 208 people out there to do it in our name, but more importantly, to do it in the name of Jesus Christ. That's our mission. Our world is the mission. Let's be true to the name that's written across the front of our church. We are the Olive Branch Missionary Baptist Church. Meaning that we believe the gospel has been given to us by the Great Commission to be proclaimed not only here but all around the world. The authority has been given to us to act In a prescribed manner, outlined by Jesus himself in his final words before he left the earth. How do we fit into the purpose for which God has called us? Shall we pray?